Well, the sacraments are, have become, I shouldn't say become, they've always been a controversial topic, and that comes out in the, in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, many of the statements there are answering uh, wrong views of the sacrament. But I would submit to you that, that even today there's much confusion and misunderstanding around the sacraments. Uh, we know that Christ left us the word of God. He called us to preach it and proclaim it, but he also left us two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And so what I would like to do uh, briefly this afternoon is just begin with some basics. And we always start with a definition, and we should be asking, what, what does that term sacrament mean? Now, from the outset, we know it's not a biblical term, but it's a term that's used to express these biblical ordinances. Now, our term sacrament comes from a Latin term that referred to a pledge or an oath to be faithful. A pledge or an oath to be faithful. And it is uh, Francis Turretin who traces the origin of, of the Latin term sacramentum. And here's what he has to say about it. It is used peculiarly to denote a military oath by which soldiers bound themselves by a certain right and prescribed words to the state and the magistrate that they would strenuously perform what the emperor had commanded and would not desert the military standard. Augustine had a much briefer definition when he simply referred to the sacraments as sacred signs. Peter Lombard, an Italian scholastic theologian, defined a sacrament as a visible form of an invisible grace. And Wilhelmus Abrockel, the Dutch theologian, said that a sacrament is a visible sign and seal of the covenant of grace instituted by God to display Christ in his suffering and death to believers and to seal them that they are partakers of Christ and his merits. <clears throat> and so if we maybe put some of those together, we could say a sacrament is a sign and seal of the covenant of grace. And it's a sign in which the Lord pledges himself to us to be faithful to fulfill the promises of the covenant. And by receiving the sign and seal, we in turn are pledging ourselves to be his servants, to obey him in the power of the Spirit. Now, we need to emphasize that God, he's the author of the sacraments. He's the author of these covenant signs. He he is the author of the covenant of grace, and he's the author of the signs and seals that go along with it. And as we approach the sacraments, I, I think it's important for us to understand that they are primarily about what God has done for us. They're about his finished work. And the reason I think that's important is because I think in very much, at least American modern Christianity, the sacraments have been kind of turned into stuff we do for God. Now, as we will see, that's certainly an element to it. 
when a baptized person uh, comes of age and, and understands the gospel, they're called to, to act, to profess Christ as Savior. Um, in the Lord's Supper, uh, we're, we are to leave with a renewed commitment to Jesus. But the, they are primarily about Christ and his finished work. They're not about something we are doing for God. And as the, the confession articulates, I don't think we read it, but the power in these sacraments, whether it's baptism or the Lord's Supper, don't come from the minister that is um, administering them. It doesn't come from the elements, but it comes from God's word and his spirit. <clears throat> and we read in that last section, it notes the, the sacramental continuity that we have. Um, that there are two new covenant sacraments, there are two old covenant sacraments. And, and that's important as we begin a study of the sacraments because we can't begin our study in the New Testament. As we read, the Old Testament sacraments, circumcision and Passover, they signify and seal the same things that the New Testament sacraments do. And if you want to jot down references, the the connection between circumcision and baptism, that's made in Colossians 2. And then, of course, the connection between Passover and the Lord's Supper um, is the fact that the Lord Jesus chose the Passover feast as the arena, as it were, to institute the new covenant sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It's also worth noting that the, the, those old covenant uh, sacraments involved the shedding of blood. Now they don't. The, the new covenant sacraments are now bloodless because Christ shed his blood once and for all for us. So let's think about what the, what the sacraments are. And we see, first of all, they're, they're visible representations of the gospel. And, and this is where the biblical term sign comes in. Uh, they are signs that point to a spiritual reality. And Romans uh, 4.11, speaking of Abraham, he received the sign of circumcision. And thus the various confessions and catechisms echo this language. The Westminster Confession, sacraments are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace. Uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, number 66, the sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals they were instituted by God so that by their use, he might the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. And this is the promise that God graciously grants forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. The sacraments are very much visual aids. They are pictures of the gospel. Uh, this led Thomas Watson to say uh, of the Lord's Supper, it's a visible sermon wherein Christ crucified is set before us. Now, if we think about this, uh, we very often see people uh, use a visual aid for a presentation, right? They might use a graph or a chart or will have something to, uh, to drive home what they're saying. But when we 
when we experience that, those visual aids are always accompanied by words, by an explanation. Like when, when I at least imagine someone using a visual aid, it's always someone, there, there's someone up there talking while they're pointing to the graph or whatever it might be. Uh, we don't see people just put a graph up and we, we kind of squint at it, try to figure out what it means. The visual aid is accompanied by words, and the words help us understand the visual aid, and the same is true of the biblical sacraments. They are always to be accompanied by the preaching of the word. It's the preaching of the word that makes the sacraments intelligible. If they, if they are visual representations of all that Christ has done for us, then we need that driven home. We need the verbal picture so that we can take in what the water means and what the bread and wine means. And that's why I read from um, Matthew's gospel, because that's really what Jesus did in the upper room. He didn't just hold out bread and wine and not say anything, but he, his words informed their meaning. When he took the bread and said, this is my body given for you. When he took the cup, he gave thanks and said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And this is why throughout history, Reformed, um, Reformed churches have held strongly and rightly to the belief that the sacraments have to be accompanied by the preaching of the word. Um, the Belgic Confession, Article 33, says, God has joined the sacraments to the word of the gospel, the better to present our senses. And that's why, I think I commented on this before, that's, this is why uh, the arrangement... Uh, we at, at the other location, we had the Lord's table under the pulpit. Um, there's this idea. The sacraments are under the word. They're informed by the word of God. That's how we understand what the signs are pointing to. So they're signs, but the Bible also uses the language of seals. They are seals. And that means that they are true means of grace to us. In other words, the sacraments mixed with saving faith, they confirm a true spiritual reality. Again, Romans 4, 11, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised. And so they are, they are signs, but they're more than that. They are seals. They're means of grace. And again, throughout history, uh, the, the true church has acknowledged what the Bible preaches, that the means of grace that the God, has, God has given for the building up of our faith, for the growth of his church, even for the salvation of sinners, those means are the word and sacrament. Now, means accomplish an end, and we need to think about this. God didn't need to use means, and yet these are the means that he has chosen to build us up in the faith. These are the means that strengthen us in our 
relationship with Jesus Christ. And that means we're not free to change these means by adding or taking away from them. And I think that's important because I think today we can chafe a little bit under the simplicity of the means of grace. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people I have heard say something like this to me. Like, I, how did your church grow to be 250 people when you just, when you just preached? It's, it's, it's a foreign idea that such a simple means could actually result in a growth of a congregation. And as Paul told Timothy, it doesn't matter if these means are working or they're not working. They are God's means. We, we thought about, we read that passage from Isaiah. Uh, his means of preaching, the Lord was choosing not to use it to convert sinners. So in these sacraments, Christ, the benefits of the new covenant, are not, they're not just represented, but they're sealed and applied to us. They're God's seal, they're his promise that these things are indeed real for us. And that word seal that is used in, <clears throat> in Romans chapter 4, uh, that Greek word refers to something that confirms or attests or guarantees something. And, and I think we still use that term in a number of related ways. We can think of the scroll that came from the king and there was that wax seal and his ring would be pressed on it. And that seal guaranteed that the contents of that letter were indeed true. They were the real words of the king. And so we should think of the sacraments as seals, as, as a guarantee, a certification of authenticity of Jesus renewing his covenant with us and assuring us that what he did for us is true and lasting and it is indeed finished. So the sacraments mixed with faith and the preaching of the word, they're a means to strengthen us. And I, I plan to talk a bit more next week about the, the different views of the Lord's Supper. Uh, the memorialist view doesn't go far enough. Yes, we remember Christ, but it's more than that. He is here with us by his spirit. Um, Thomas Watson uh, said this. He said, in prayer, we draw near to God. In the sacrament, we become one with him. In prayer, we look up to Christ. In the sacrament, by faith, we touch him. In the word preached, we hear Christ's voice. In the sacrament, we feed on him. By faith. So what he's articulating there, the sacraments strengthen all of these things that we do. Um, in prayer, and the word preached, they, they strengthen those things. And so they're signs and seals. But then thirdly, they're symbols of our union with Christ and our union with each other. We, we thought last time, if my memory served me correctly, we thought about the communion of the saints and how our union with Christ results in union with one another. And the sacraments are signs and seals of that reality. 
the confession says that they confirm our interest in him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not communion with the blood of Christ? There's the union with Jesus. Then he goes on, the bread which we break, is it not a communion of the body of Christ? And so the sacraments point to the reality of our union and communion with Jesus Christ. That's, that's who we are. I think I've pointed out to you before, the primary way Christians are described in the New Testament, it's not believer, it's not Christian, it's those that are in Christ. And that communion with Jesus means that we have communion with our saints, with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, I don't read much of um, Justin Martyr, but I came across one of his writings. If you know who he is, he lived from the year 100 to the year 165. And uh, his writings are interesting because he vividly describes uh, the early Christians' observance of baptism in the Lord's Supper. And he writes this on the Lord's Supper. He said, the sacrament being a communion shows that it is a symbol of love, a bond of unity and charity which should be among Christians. As many grains make one bread, so many Christians are one body. A sacrament is a love feast. We observe the sacrament together in token of that dearness of affection which we have to each other. It is a communion... Therefore, there must be love and union. And that is why the, the reformers reacted against the Roman Catholic practice of the individual observance of sacraments. That's not something you will see in a reformed church. A, um, I, I've had occasions where I've gone to administer the sacrament in a hospital room or in a retirement home, but always we bring other saints and we have a worship service right there so that that person could have communion with Christ and communion with the saints. So the sacraments, they're symbols of union and communion with Jesus, but then, fourthly, they, they place a distinguishing mark on us. Uh, they distinguish us, they set us apart from the unbelieving world. Again, the confession 27.1 says they are holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace to put a visible difference between those that belong unto the church and the rest of the world. They set us apart as being different. And again, I think it's a great tragedy in our day. I talk to, uh, I've talked to different pastors and I've heard them say the same thing. Well, we, don't, we don't observe the sacraments on Sunday anymore because it kind of makes us seem too different. Well, that's the Lord's point. We are different. We are his. We have been washed. We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and we should take hold of this and be thankful that he's saying, you are mine. Well, it's, it's an interesting word study to do um, that both in the, the Hebrew and Greek languages, the biblical languages, the words holy, sanctify, and saint, they're all related. Uh, if you would say them, they all sound 
alike. And that idea of holiness, as we are a holy people, it, it involves separation, our apartness. We have been called, we have been separated from something to something. We have been separated from sin, from the world, but we have been brought into a living relationship with Jesus. And that's what happens, especially when we think about uh, either baptism or the Lord's Supper. There, there is that idea. We're marked out as different. Uh, the, the children that are, that are baptized among us, we don't believe that that water imparts salvation to them. And they may not be saved yet, but nevertheless, they're marked out as different. They're under the means of grace. They're part of the covenant community. They're under those means by which the Lord is pleased to save sinners. And the Lord's Supper as well confirms this reality. Because what, what are we doing? When we come to the Lord's table, we believe that Jesus, by his Spirit, is there with us. And it is though we're taken up out of this world and we dine with Christ in the heavenlies. It's a, a foretaste to the holiness, the, the true and lasting holiness that awaits us in heaven. Uh, but finally and more briefly, the, the sacraments after all of this are a pledge of our obedience. That we're making our pledge especially in the Lord's Supper, to walk in newness of life. Again, Westminster Confession 27.1, they're holy signs and seals of the covenant of grace to put a visible difference between those that belong to the church and the rest of the world and to solemnly engage them to the service of God in Christ according to his word. And you... It was last week I preached on Psalm 116. This is not a good sign when the pastor can't remember what he preached on last week. But I preached on Psalm 116 last week, and we thought about this cup imagery, this cup theology, where Jesus took the cup of wrath that should have been ours, and he in turn hands us the cup of salvation. But we thought about how in the ancient world, sharing a cup with someone meant you were agreeing to a certain responsibility. And so when we take hold of the cup in the Lord's Supper, we're taking hold of both the benefits of our salvation and all of the blessings, but also of our responsibilities to serve Christ in the power of his spirit. Now we'll, we'll think more more about the sacraments next week, and you pray for me as I think about how to coalesce uh, all the material. It is, a, it is a vast subject, and there's much confusion over it, but um, when we, I think, get down to the biblical, the biblical definitions and understanding of what they are, we see that they are gifts from Christ to strengthen us. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have condescended, you have stooped low, and that you have given us these visual aids, Lord, that you have given us signs and seals to confirm our interest in you, Lord, to remember that we are one with Christ and one with one another. Lord, we pray that we would uh, have a renewed gratitude for the sacraments and, Lord, a, 
maybe a more serious preparation as we, as we approach them uh, as a congregation. We pray that this might be for the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.